sounded it sounded different. It sounded maybe different than what they were expecting, and and they didn't uh, they didn't see it. And there was ten people in that group that had negative reports, and they said, "There's no way we can do that." Uh, but there was two that said, "You know what? We can do it." And they ended up getting into the promised land. They were the only two that went into the promised land. And I would tell you that that you may say, I don't even understand what happened. Maybe it's some futuristic thing. Whatever the case may be, you may say, you know what? That made no sense to me. And you can start connecting with somebody else. And they say that made no sense. And you'll miss out on your promise. Okay? But if you surround yourself with people that are going to speak faith into to what God's speaking to you, they're going to build you up. And then you're going to begin to believe for that promise. Okay? Now, with that, um, I want to... I want to tell you not to get bogged down and distracted by trying to figure out how to make the promise happen either, because <laughs> that's easy. And I hear some of these uh, older people laughing about that because it's so easy. And uh, I was thinking, I was just telling, uh, is it Pastor Wesley? You're the pastor. Wesley? All right. All right. Pastor Wesley. Anyways, I want to honor her, right? Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm listening to, uh, to the preacher. So um, anyways. But I was telling her when I got here, I said, this place holds a special place in my heart because uh, back in 2005, I, s- I was sitting about right over here. The chairs were all different then. But, um, but anyways, I was sitting right over on this side of the, the auditorium, and the Lord spoke to me something very specific about a promise that he wanted, he wanted me to see in the state of Maine. And it has to do with churches coming together and fasting and praying together and seeing a move of God together. Okay, and so I've tried to figure it out. I've tried to make it happen. I started saying, oh, who can I get together with and what pastors can I talk to and all this different stuff? And I never saw it happen. But you know what? I decided a few years ago, I'm just going to let go and I'm going to let God fulfill this thing in my life. I'm going to let him start to work out the details because I, I can't figure it out. If I could have, I already would have. But instead, I decided, you know what? I'm just going to let God begin to work. And so he's been working, and it's been awesome. And we were just rejoicing over the, the connectivity, the different churches that seem to be in this area, that, that there's a young generation of leadership rising up, and they're getting connected, and they're doing life together, and we're going to see God move together. Amen? I believe it. So I want to talk to you tonight a little bit about, um, I asked Pastor Wesley what the theme was for this event. And she said, uh, she said we're calling it the Year of the Trailblazer. Right? Did you guys know that? Yeah? Cool. All right. I'm like, who uses the word trailblazer, <laughs> right? Portland, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, what is a trailblazer? I, I know it's a basketball team, right? It's a basketball? Yeah. That was dumb. Anyways, um, I know it's a basketball team, and I know it's a Chevy vehicle, right? A trailblazer. So anyways, but it's also a person who, who's willing to kind of break free from everything else and go forward into something else. And I think that's so important, especially with some of the things that were just spoken over you, because you have an opportunity now. God has put his finger on your life, and now you have an opportunity going forward from this place into the rest of your life. Are you going to continue doing the same things that you've been doing, the same things that just seem seem okay with everybody else? Or are you going to say, you know what, I'm going to give myself to this man named God. I'm going to give myself to him in a greater way than I ever have before because I want to break away from the status quo. I want to break free from from what everybody else is doing because the reality is everyone else is miserable. Can I tell you that? Everybody else is miserable. My dad taught me this years ago. 
He said there's three voids in every person's life, okay? There's the need for salvation. That's the first void. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, we were separated from God, and we were born in sin, and, and we don't know God when we're born, and, and there's this longing in our heart. The Bible says that God put eternity in the hearts of man. And so he's put something in you that he wants you to know him, okay? That's salvation. But then after you get saved, it's like, okay, what's next? Now I'm saved, what are we going to do? Well, God has a purpose for each and every one of us. But before we go fulfill the purpose, he actually wants you to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, okay? So, so he wants you to be saved, he wants you to be full of his spirit, and then he wants you to do what he's called you to do. And the cool thing about it is he's a very individual God that he will he, he will carve out something specifically for each and every one of us to do. And that's that's really what I want to go with. And that's I believe you doing that is I believe you blazing that trail. It's you stepping away from, you know what, I'm not just going to follow the, 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 the norm and swim with all these other fish, but I'm going to start going another direction until I get to that place where God fulfills that plan and purpose in my life. Does that make sense? All right, so how do we become a trailblazer for Jesus? That's the question, right? I'm so glad that you asked. It was, man, it, was, it went from like zero to, or 60 to zero in here, right? It like got so quiet. It's like you can hear a pin drop. No, they don't need to speak up. It just is different. <laughs> it's just like it was just wild and live, and now it's like that, that uh, trip from New Hampshire is kicking in. Anyways. But listen, there's a scripture in the Bible in Daniel chapter 11, okay? And uh, I'm going to read this out of the King James Version. I don't typically use that, but I really like the way it words this particular scripture. And so the context of the scripture is like ridiculously confusing to me, okay? I'm not, uh, I, I'm a teacher at a Bible college and I just said that, okay? <laughs> right? But, but Daniel chapter 11, a lot of it is, is apocalyptic literature. It's dealing with future events, and it's a lot of symbolism and, and different things that mean different things. And this particular passage, Daniel chapter 11, it's talking about the king of the north will do this, and the king of the south will do this. And look, I don't even know who the king of the north and the king of the south is, okay? <laughs> right? I'll just be real transparent with you. But there's a principle found in Daniel chapter 11 that I believe is so vital to us, not only succeeding in our lives, but succeeding in our ministry, succeeding in what God has called you to do. Okay? And so it says this in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. It says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. And that's not really the part that I want to focus on. This is the part I want to focus on. Listen to this. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. That is powerful. The people that do know their God will be strong and do exploits. Okay? The people that know their God will be strong, and, and I don't even know the names that were mentioned, but they're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover is what I heard. Right? They're going to bring revival is what I heard. They're going to dance. That's what I heard. They're going to do other things. There was a couple other different prophecies. The people who know their God will be strong, and they will do those things. It's going to be a byproduct of your relationship with him. This message is so basic tonight. It's like Christianity 101, but let me tell you what happens. I'm blessed by this because this is a good reminder to me, and I've been serving the Lord for a few years, right? I, I think many will be blessed by this. Everybody say this with me. I'll get you talking. There we go. 
Everybody say this with me. Say, they that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Now say this with me. They that don't know God will be weak and live a very boring life. Right? I mean, it's like the contrast. You're either going to know God and you're going to be strong through the trials of life and you're going to shine for him, or you're going to not know God, you're going to struggle through life, and you're going to be miserable your whole life. It's inevitable. So the first thing we need to do is what? Know God. Right? Know God. Come on. It's, it's really easy. I gave you all the answers just a second ago. Right? Know God. Be strong. Do exploit. I'll ask you those three before this is over, okay? So know God. Listen, this is God's greatest desire for us. <coughs> Josiah just quoted this scripture a second ago. He said, eternal life is this, knowing God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. That's eternal life. And, and I love what he was saying. We think eternal life, we think heaven, we think some far off futuristic thing like when I die, I'm going to go and play a harp on some clouds or something, right? That's not eternal life. Jesus didn't die so we could struggle through this life like hell and then one day make it to heaven. But he died so that we could experience life and life abundantly now. Right. So that we can advance his kingdom so that we can show people who he is and how awesome he is. That's what he wants for us. So he's put that in us. Now, listen, the temptation is or, or the easy thing to do is not to know God, but simply to know about him. Right. And we can come to church. Thank you so much. Um, we can come to church. We can come to gatherings like this. And if not, if we're not careful, we'll know a little bit more about God before we leave. But we won't know him because we won't encounter him because we won't open our hearts to him and let him do what he wants to do. And so that's the temptation. Listen, I work at a Bible college. I've said that like three times. But listen, it's a dangerous place to work. Because the, the Bible becomes a textbook, and we're studying things about God, and we're learning about his character. We're learning about his nature. We're learning all these different attributes that he has and the different cool things, right? But, but if we're not careful, we can learn everything there is to know about God and miss him. You know how I know that? Because there's so many theologians and scholars and different people who are high up in the academic realm, and they have no clue who God is. They know the Greek, they know the Hebrew, they know all the different languages, they know how to interpret the Bible, and they know it more than I do. But you know what? I've made a decision. In my academic career, as, as I'm doing my schooling right now, I'm working on my master's degree. It is just ridiculous work. But the reality is this. I've made a decision in my heart. I don't want to just learn about God. I want to know him. Right. I want to know him. I'm 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 trying to stay like the Apostle Paul. If you can imagine this, he wrote two thirds of the Bible, two thirds of the Bible. And even after all that, he says, you know what? I just want to know him more. I just want to know him more. I want to know. He said the fellowship of his sufferings. I don't even want to preach that. Right. <laughs> Anyways, I'm, I'm glad some people are tracking with me. But look, we need to know him. Okay, the same is true for you. You can learn so much about God and you can miss knowing him. So how do we know him? 
Okay, how do we know him? Hey, Seth, come here for a second, bud. Does anybody here know him? Yeah? Tom knows him a little bit, sort of. Not really, okay? So, so Josiah, what can you tell me about him? Anything? He's handsome. Come on. Anything else? He's a good singer. Come on. Uh, do you know who his parents are by any chance? You think so? <laughs> that ruins my illustration. Don't know. Um, no, so you might know his parents, though? Okay, sure. So um, do you know, like, where he goes to school? No idea. Okay. Um, probably homeschooled. I don't know. Were you homeschooled? For a little bit. So, no, he's actually, he's one of my students at the Bible college. So, so what's cool about this, right? So, Josiah only knew a little bit about him. How much time have you spent with him? One prayer meeting, right? So, so I haven't spent a, a, a whole lot of time with Seth, but, but I know him, right? I know him because I've spent more time with him than Josiah has. Right. Some of you, you could probably tell me things without even spending time with him because you saw him on the platform. You know that he plays the guitar. Right. Everybody should know he plays the guitar tonight. OK. Anyways, thank you, Seth. So so if I want to know him now, Kiara, right. Yeah. She's like, don't you dare call me up there. I could ask you some things about Seth. What's his favorite color? Maroon. Is it true? Yeah. Come on. What's his mom's name? What's his dad's name? Does he have any siblings? Yeah, what are their names? All right. It's a good thing she answered those or she might be walking home tonight, you know? Um, but Kara, how much time have you spent with Seth? A lot. She <laughs> said a lot. <laughs> that was awesome. So, so listen, if I want to know God, what do I have to do? Spend time with them. It's deep, right? This is the most deep message you've ever heard in your life. If you want to know more about God, if you want to know God more, spend more time with him. Okay? Spend more time with him. How do we spend time with him? I'm so glad that you asked. Listen, you spend time in his word. And not just reading his word to learn about him, but intimately reading the word and allowing it to minister to you. Allowing it to speak to your heart, allowing it to transform your life so that when you see something that says uh, you should do this or you should do that, that you say, God, I want to do this and give me grace to do this because in my natural ability, I don't want to do that. But your word says to do that. So please help me do that. And that kind of takes me into the next section. We, we need to have communication with him. Right. I like to call it two way prayer. It's easy to pray when you're going through a hard time. It's easy to pray when you need something, right? We send up prayers to God. Oh, God, help me. I, whatever. I don't know. What do you need help with? Your school, right? Schoolwork. You got a test coming? I don't know. Maybe not, right? Something, right? Somebody took something from you. Man, Lord, help me find out who it was. Whatever the case is, it's easy to pray when we need something from God. But, but I'm talking about a type of prayer where you actually start sharing with him the things that are on your heart that bother you. When you start to, to tell him how you really feel about situations. I realize, man, you, you guys, especially young people in here, 
you, I don't envy you guys at all in what you're growing up in right now. I thought I had it bad. And I did, really. I kinda, as you were sharing your testimony, man, Josiah, as you were sharing your testimony when you were up here, I mean, it's almost spitting image of mine. Broken, drugs, homeless, just devastated. One poor choice after another. And, and even as bad as that was, like, I still, man, you guys have it so much more difficult. But guess what? God is the same for you as he is for me. And it doesn't matter how hard it gets. He doesn't change. Right. He doesn't change. So so we need to get to a place where that two way prayer where we're sharing our hearts with him and then we're allowing him to share his heart with us. Does that make sense? And then lastly, gatherings like this church. This time is specifically carved out to facilitate an encounter with him. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're here tonight, right? It's, it's so young people can have an encounter with God. So, so that they can experience God for themselves and it can transform their lives. And so you are the recipient of that. But guess what? You, you can miss this. You can, you can have a hard heart and you can say, you know what? I don't even care. Uh, I love what somebody said earlier. Maybe they just came because their parents want them to come. Whatever, right? My parents want me to come. I, like this was the last step before I get sent to detention center or something, right? <laughs> I don't know. But, but, the rea- but the reality is it doesn't matter why you're here. The fact is you're here. So you might as well make the most of it, right? You might as well say, you know what? I've been trying everything else in my life to find joy, and I can't find it. So I wonder if it's in Jesus, and so maybe I should try Jesus, right? Maybe I should just open up my heart a little bit. And you know what's awesome? If we just open our hearts a little bit to him, oh, man, he's going to rush in and he's going to wreck you. And it's going to be awesome because he's longing. Listen to what this says. This isn't even something I plan on sharing. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18 says this. The Lord is longing to be gracious towards you. He's longing. It says he rises to show you compassion. Do you know how awesome that is? He's waiting to bless you. He's waiting to reveal himself to you. He's waiting to, to show you the depths of who he is and how awesome he is. And I don't know if you guys realize this, but he's like the creator of everything. That's pretty cool. The creator of everything. The very reason you can do this with your finger without thinking about it at all. Right? I think about crazy stuff like that. I'm like, people want to say, like, evolution and this all just happened by chance. There's no way. Look at, like, your eye. See how it's formed and see how it's made and see how it works. Okay? Look at your nerves and cut your finger and see what happens. In a week, it'll grow, like, new skin over it. That doesn't just happen. Okay? There's a designer that designed you, and he loves you, and he knows you, and he wants to reveal himself to you. And like I said, he's the one that like created everything. It's, it's just dumbfounding. We, I think we've become too familiar with him. It's just like, yeah, God, yeah, okay, church, yeah. But the reality is if we understand who he is, it'll change the way we worship him. It'll change the way we live our lives because we'll say, you know what? I don't have to be afraid of anything 
because the king of heaven lives inside of me. And that's pretty cool. And he can give me wisdom. He can give me knowledge. He can give me insight. He can help me. He can even help you with your homework. It's amazing. He's smarter than your teachers. <laughs> right? So the first step in becoming a trailblazer is knowing him. Right? But let's talk about the second step. Being strong. Being strong. Why would it say that? Somewhere along, the, somewhere along the line, I'm sure somebody told you that once you give your heart to Jesus, like life is just going to be grand and everything's going to be easy. Right? Isn't that true? No? <laughs> Some of the adults are like, I don't know about that. What's this preacher preaching? Um, no, listen. I, want to, I actually I thought about this. I want to apologize to you if you have that, that belief. I, if somebody along the way told you that once you get saved, everything's going to be easy in life, it's not true, okay? Now, I will say this. If, if you get saved, you know how the connection with the person who created everything, and he can give you grace, and he can help you, and he can set you free from things, and he can do amazing things in and through you regardless of what you're facing in life. But you will face things in life, okay? All your problems don't just go away because you get saved. But... You can have grace to overcome your problems. And so the problems aren't problems anymore, right? I don't know about you, but you can be set free from like things like anxiety. You, you can be free from depression. You can be free from suicidal thoughts. You can be free from, from pornography. You can be free from lust. You can be free from whatever it is that you're involved in that seems to have a stronghold on your life. You don't have to live in sin anymore. I, I teach this to my students at Bible college, and they look at me like I have three heads because I say, you don't have to sin. And they're like, but everybody sins. Everybody struggles. I'm like, look, if you're expecting to sin, you're going to sin. But if you expect not to sin, guess what? You're going to sin less and less and less until you live a life free of sin. And yes, the moments you mess up, the moments you struggle, whatever it is, there's grace for that. There's actually mercy for that. I have a thing about that. But there's grace to keep you from sinning. Right? Just anyways. One day you'll appreciate what I'm saying. Because you'll get tired of messing up. But listen, I, I, uh, James chapter 1 says this. I, I'm not here yet, okay? James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 say this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. <laughs> That's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything anything i will be so real with you i do not like count it joy when i face trials of many kinds okay i haven't arrived to that level yet <laughs> i'm still lacking some things i guess i don't know but i can tell you this when i go through hard times i have a different perspective than what i used to i just went through Probably what some would say would be one of the most devastating times in your life. Uh, just last November, I lost my dad. Okay, and and I'm not saying this for pity and everybody. Oh, you know, oh, he lost his dad. No, the reality is, I have such a peace in my heart 
about the whole situation because I know God. Remember what I said. The people who know God will be strong. Okay? The people who know God will be strong. The people who don't know God are going to be devastated when they lose their their father. They're going to be devastated when they lose lose a loved one. And you know what's going to happen? Every year around that same time, it's going to come back around, and they're going to be devastated all over again. I I refuse to do that. I'm just going to rejoice every year that passes that I'm one year closer to spending eternity with my dad. God gave me that revelation, like, so clear. And, and it's, it's been, trust me, I've, I've shed a few tears, okay? I'm not insensitive to the whole thing. Uh, my dad, he had some health issues, uh, ultimately ended up getting COVID, and it wasn't good for him, okay? So, so it's sad, you know? It's like there's times when I drive to Bangor and I'm wanting to do some, sh- some grocery shopping, and those times I would typically, like, call my dad and just be like, hey, what are you doing? How are you doing? And, and those times I don't have anymore, you know? And so there's a sadness in my natural man, but there's a spiritual man that lives inside of me that has a whole different perspective. And it says, you know what? Thank God. Because of the gospel, we'll see each other again. Right? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, I'm not only going to see my dad again, but I'm going to get to spend eternity with him. And I don't know what kind of fishing holes they have up there, but I bet my dad's checking out some good ones now. So when I get there, he's going to take me. Right? Because that's what we did here. And it was fun. So listen, the same is true for you. Many times when you don't know God, hard times come, and, and, and you will actually blame God for those hard times. Right? People blame God. It, it amazes me. You talk to somebody, they don't know the Lord, and, and you're like, um, hey, you know, well, so why don't you know the Lord? Well, I'm kind of mad at God. Really? Why are you mad at God? He took my great-grandma. Like, your great-grandma was 112. I don't think God took her, <laughs> right? I think she just went with him, you know? <laughs> it's like, come on. People find the dumbest reason to be mad at God. Because when you can blame God for something, you can justify not having a relationship with him. But, but God doesn't want you to be mad at him. I'll tell you this. A lot of times people actually get to know God in the midst of their hard time because they've looked to every other thing and it doesn't bring them any satisfaction. And then they say, man, they cry out, shake their fists at God. God, where are you? And he says, I'm right here. And he reveals himself. That one simple act of humility, them shaking their fist at God. Where are you? He's saying, I've been waiting for you to ask that. I've been longing for you to ask that because I want to show you where I'm at. Amen? Listen, if you know the character and the nature of God, it changes everything. Let me tell you something real quick. I had a friend of mine. He was getting tested for melanoma, skin cancer, okay? And he said, hey, pray for me. I'm going to get tested on Thursday or whatever day it was. And I said, all right. So Thursday came. I've been praying for him. Thursday afternoon showed up. I'm like, hey, how did your testing go? And he says it came back benign, right? That means there was no cancer. So this is what I did. I texted on my phone, all capital letters, PTL, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. God is good. All capital letters, okay, because it was exciting. And I sent the text message, and almost instantly the Holy Spirit kind of checked me. I was like, that's weird. 
And listen to what he said to me. Even if the test would have came back as cancer, he's still good. God is still good regardless of your situation, regardless of your circumstance, regardless what the outcome is, regardless how you were treated as a child, regardless what you've experienced in your life, he's still good because his word tells me he is. The Bible says in James 1, 17, every good and perfect gift comes from him. So if it's cancer, guess what? It doesn't come from him. Right? If it's cancer, it comes from the devil. Right? But my Bible says he came to destroy the works of the devil. Right? Get a hold of that revelation. And he's in you if you're born again. So guess what he wants you to do? Destroy the work of the devil. Come on. It's good preaching. (laughs) You know why? Because it's true. It's not about my ability to preach, for sure. My voice is ripped and I'm struggling, but the word is good. The word is true. So it's good preaching, right? All right. So so what do we do? We know God. Say yes. All right. We be strong. Right. And then what do we do? Come on. We do exploits. That's right. Good job. We do exploits. Listen to what James tells us. James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? You could replace that. What good is it if a man knows God and doesn't do anything with it? It's going to be a waste of time. Knowing God is good. Trust me, okay? You can know God. You can love God. But that's, that's what's happened with the church world. Is, is for so long they've just loved God inside of their four walls, but they're not doing anything with the love of God. And, and man, can I say this? And they're, they're, they're actually waiting for the rapture to happen so that God can get them out of here from all the dirt and turmoil and all this other stuff. And what they're saying is to heaven with me and to hell with everybody else. Because the reality is people are broken and in need of a Savior. They're in need of somebody, a man or woman of God who says, you know what? I know him. He's helped me to be strong through my stuff so I can help you through yours. And that's the gospel. That's what that's what the disciples did. Okay. Listen, if you know God, I mean, really know him, you will have no choice but to do great things for him. Because if you know him, you're going to have his heart for people. And you're going to see somebody who's broken, and you're not going to just walk by with with no care for them. But you're going to say, you know what, how can I help you? How can I serve you? Because you need help, and I care about you. I love you. Somebody who demonstrates it so well is Todd White. Just watch him. Everywhere he goes, he just loves on people. It's just awesome. Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18 says this, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll do exploits is what he's saying there. In my name, they're going to cast out demons. They're going to raise the dead. They're going to heal the sick. They're going to speak in other tongues. They're going to do awesome things. And so it's, it's kind of a result. It's a byproduct of somebody's relationship with God. 
if you really know him, right? If you know about him, guess what? Probably not going to do much for him. But if you know him, it'll be different. Listen, I've been working with the Lord about 16 years. I was thinking about it the other day. 16 years. I've seen healings. I've seen deliverance. I've seen miracles. I've seen, I mean, blind eyes open type stuff. You know what I'm saying? Demons manifest. People uh, talk in a voice not their own, and the demon come out and leave. It's awesome, <laughs> right? That's what my dad did full time. He was a full time deliverance minister, and it was weird, <laughs> right? But but it was awesome. He told me, man, I'm so, I'm so disappointed actually right now thinking about this. My dad told me he says one day before I die, I'm gonna write a book about all the crazy stuff I saw. He said I can't do it now because if I do, people will think I'm too out there. <laughs> I'll just tell you one of them. He saw a lady one time. He was ministering to her in a room, and I think it was a lady. might have been a guy. Either way, it was somebody. And they literally slithered like a snake back to the wall and went up the wall. Up the wall. And what's he doing? He's trying to cast a demon out of them. I'd be trying to get out of the room, (laughs) right? I'd be like, man, what is this, poltergeist? But he's like, man, this is fun. He loved it. He was he was unique, man. What slam, right? Sure. Yeah. He said the the way my dad got involved in that ministry was he was down at the Brownsville Revival. I don't know if anybody heard of that. But he was down at the Brownsville Revival in like 1995-96 and there was church one night and at the end of the church service there was a 96-pound girl and she was speaking in a male voice, not her own. And she was lifting up three grown men off of the ground. And my dad went and sat in his truck and he said, God, what was that? <laughs> he was newly saved. He's like, God, what was that? And this is what the Lord spoke to him. He said, Bill, he said, I couldn't have shown you that in a classroom. He said, but I'm putting you on a fast track and you're going to see a lot more of that. And you're going to help those people get free. And so for 25 years of his life, my dad didn't get saved till he was 40 years old from a 28-year alcohol and drug addiction. He used to say he hurt everybody he came in contact with, including himself. I was part of that, right? I was a byproduct of his bad choices. And I remember when he got saved at 40, he's like, son, get saved. You're following in my footsteps, man. Skip a few years. Just get saved. And I remember telling him, with money in my pocket, girls, cars, all the stuff. I'm like, Dad, I don't want your Jesus. I want this stuff. I like this stuff. But the Bible says sin is only pleasurable for a season. And so, man, guess what happened? When I wanted Jesus, guess who I called? My dad. Dad, I want Jesus now. I want to follow him. I realize he has something better for my life than anything I've been able to come up with at this point. And so I was like, you know what? I want, I want Jesus. And so I had the privilege. My dad mentored me and helped me grow in the, in the grace of the Lord for the first couple years of my life. And it, it was a good time, man. But he was radical. The last 25 years of his life, he spent going from church to church, teaching people in deliverance, ministering in deliverance, and seeing captives set free by the gospel of Jesus Christ. He ministered here back in like 2006, 2007, something like that. Had a service here, powerful. Just God moved, showed up. It's awesome, right? Some of you are like, I wasn't born in 2006, right? Did I hear somebody say that? <laughs> Anyways, um, listen, even though I've seen those different things, 
I just shared this with you a minute ago. I'm not content. I want to know him more, and I want to see more of that. Okay? And, and God's not a respecter of persons. If you will just simply make the decision, you know what? I just want to know him. Listen, these signs follow those who believe, right? Those things happen. And listen, there's others around you who are waiting for somebody to rise up. They're waiting for somebody. They're waiting for somebody in their circle of friends to say, you know what? I got a hold of God. This weekend in Maine that I had, he did something in me. And, and some lady was singing up there, and she began prophesying over me. And she said I was going to lay hands on the sick, and they were going to be healed. And I don't even understand it, but I've been laying hands on the sick, and they've been getting healed. I don't even know what to do with myself. I just want to keep laying hands on people. Come on. Why not? Why not? Be different, man. There's so many people trying to be like everybody else, trying to fit the cookie-cutter mold of what's popular or what's acceptable, what's, what's the, the status quo right now, what so-and-so in Hollywood is wearing or what this person has on or how they live their life or what vehicle they drive or whatever the case may be. Who cares about any of that? Because all of it only brings a little bit of satisfaction for a little bit of time. But getting a hold of the plan of God on your life it's going to change you forever. It's going to ruin you. You're going to be like, just, I wish I wouldn't have went to Maine. Right? Because you're not going to be able to fit in with everybody else. You're not going to be able to just go back to the way things were. You're going to have to fight to go back to that place. Because God's put his hand on you. That's what he did. Right? If you don't like it, take it up with him. Let me tell you this. A life of faith is not easy or comfortable. If it was, everybody would do it. Right? I was like, man, I thought you were going to tell me some good news. That is. I'm telling you, it's not easy and it's not comfortable. You have to fight for it. Listen to this. In the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. Joshua was about to embark on the promise that God had for his life, okay? God told him to go into the land and inherit the land, lead the other people into the land. He told him like four or five times in that one passage of Scripture, be strong and courageous. 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 You're like, man, why are you saying that so much? Because he needed that much strength and that much courage to do what God wanted him to do. God told him, though, he says, look, if you want to be successful, if you want to be successful, I, I just want to cast this out to you. If you want to be successful in the things that God has for you, the promise, maybe that he spoke on you tonight, maybe that he's going to speak over you tomorrow night, maybe that he's going to speak over you, maybe he spoke over you since you were a child. If you want to be successful in that, read Joshua chapter 1 until it gets in your spirit. And listen to what it says there. There's a couple things in that passage that say this. It says, look, meditate on the word. It says law, but we know the law is the word, right? Meditate on the word day and night. That means when you go to sleep, you're thinking about the word. That means when you wake up, you're thinking about the word. That means when you go to school, you're thinking about the word. That means when you go wherever with your friends, you're thinking about the word. 
Meditate on it day and night. And that's not just like read it. It's like chew on it. Ponder it. Right? Let it get inside of you. So you become what it says about you instead of what everyone else is trying to say about you. Then he says, look, I will be with you. And that's awesome right there. Because when you realize God is with you, who can be against you? Right? There's nothing that can stop you. But even though he gave them, he gave Joshua those two things, he still told him four or five times, be strong and courageous. I tell my personal evangelism students this. I say, look, courage isn't the absence of fear. Right? Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's just the ability to overcome it. And so that's what God wants of us. There's going to be fear. There's going to be a reserve. There's going to be this, this temptation to just not, not come into agreement with what God's doing in your life and go back to the way things are. But I plead with you, be courageous. Overcome the fear. Overcome the insecurity. And don't try to do it in your own strength. But when you get to that place where you're dealing with fear, you're dealing with insecurity, talk to Jesus about it. He actually gives us the Holy Spirit. That's a whole other section of Scripture. But he actually gives us the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2. He says, look, go wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high, and then you'll have the power to do the things that I'm calling you to do. And so they needed the Holy Spirit because they couldn't do it. Think about that. They had spent three years with Jesus. Could you imagine spending three years with Jesus? That would be pretty cool, okay? You saw blind eyes open. You saw Lazarus raised from the dead. You saw water turned into wine. You saw him take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed 5,000 people or 4,000 people multiple occasions. You saw him go over across the river, across the lake to a, a guy who was cutting himself with rocks and breaking chains that were on him, and he was sound and in his right mind just like that. You see him do all those things. He actually tells you, he says, hey, brother, you go now and you do that. Go out two by two. You guys go do this. And they come back and they say, wow, you were not going to believe what we saw. I saw demons cast out and everything. And Jesus says, dudes, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He said, that ain't nothing. He said, you rejoice that your name's written in the book of life. But these disciples, they had spent three years with Jesus Christ. That's awesome. And then he says, all right, now I'm about to leave, guys. And he says, I want you to go and I want you to change the world. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them. Lay hands on the sick. See them recover. Do all that stuff. He says, do that. But then he says, but wait. Before you go, you need something else. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit tonight, I want you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because it'll help you get where God wants you to be. Right? If you're not saved tonight, I don't know how you can be saved and not, or how you can not be saved in an environment like this. I, I mean, if I was you, I'd be crying out to Jesus, I need you, Lord. I don't know what that lady from the guitar is going to say over me, but I need you, Jesus. <laughs> save me now. <laughs> if you're not saved tonight, I want to give you a chance to be saved. Born again. 
I've been talking, man, I don't know if I should say this. You guys aren't live streaming, right? Um, I've been talking to these Mormons, man. This has been awesome. <laughs> They've been so great. This Mormon guy contacted me. He's like, hey, can I talk to you? I'm like, yeah, sure, brother. Let's talk. And so we've been, he, he's like, let's do a Bible study. I'm like, oh, I'm down, brother. Let's do it. And so, uh, yeah, they don't, they don't have anything for me, right? They want to add a bunch of works so I can be right with God. He says, are you religious? I said, I said no, man, I'm born again, right? I'm born again. I have the spirit of God living inside of me. That's enough, right? I don't need to, I don't need to go door to door. I don't need to ride a bike. I don't need a tag that says elder, right? I don't need none of that, bro. All I need is Jesus Christ. And my faith and what he did for me on the cross. And that's good enough. And guess what? Because of what he did for me, I'm going to love people enough to go tell them about Jesus. But I don't need to do that in order to be right with him. And so today, man, I was, I was a little, I was at Walmart earlier today. And because uh, that's a good place to meet people. <laughs> but I saw these two guys all dressed up walking down the aisle. And I was like, I was like, there's some Mormons. I was like, man, God, what are you doing? You give me like a Mormon ministry or something? But but I went up to him. I was like, hey, man, I said, is one of you this guy? Because I've never even met the guy I talked to because he, he contacted me through Facebook. He was like, hey, can we talk? Can we set up a Bible study? I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Then um, it was funny. I think when he found out I taught at a Bible college, he like called some like other guy who was really old because he, he was an elder, right? But he's like 19. Yeah. And so the guy's like, you know, hey, do you have any problems with, uh, with these guys teaching? I said, no, I don't have a problem with teaching them teaching, you know. That's great. I said, I do think it's weird you're calling them elders. Like, typically that means, like, an older person, you know. And he's like, oh, well, that just means teacher to us. So, anyways, I'm sorry to bash the Mormons. If you guys are Mormon, you shouldn't be <laughs> anyway. So, <laughs> But I love people. And the reality is, man, my heart breaks for this kid that's reached out to me. It really does. Because, like, he has such a good heart, and he's being so aggressive with what he believes. So much so that he's engaging with people that are in Bible college, that are in churches that I'm connected with. It's like I see all these people that he's accepted as friends or they've accepted him or whatever. And I'm like, this guy is, like, actively trying to share something that's not even true. I told him that. I said, bro, I said, when I think of you, I think of Romans chapter 10. Because the Jews, they had this zeal. They were zealous for the law, but they didn't even know that, that Jesus was right there. And the hard part is they, they believe in a Jesus, but it's different. It's complicated. And it's just a mess. And I'm like, I'm like bro, I care about you. And I, I want to see him born again. I thought, wouldn't it be awesome if he gets saved and he ends up in Bible college in the fall? That's what I'm believing for. That would be awesome. So listen, as I bring this to a close, can the worship team come back for me? I want to just kind of get back to a place where we can encounter him, okay? And, and I want to tell you guys as I close about one of my favorite trailblazers, okay? There's a book. Some of you uh, leaders might understand this book. Um, it's called God's Generals. Anybody heard of that? Man, you guys ever heard of a guy named Smith Wigglesworth? William Seymour, Amy, Amy Simple McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, Evan Roberts, some giants in the faith, right? Some powerful, I mean, just people. You want to talk, talk about people that knew God and were strong and did exploits? The book is full of them. 
But there's one that stands out above all the rest for me, and I don't know why it is, but he's just amazing. And his name is John G. Lake. John G. Lake was an apostle to Africa. He was an early pioneer of the Pentecostal movement in the 20th century. In other words, guess what he was? A trailblazer, right? He was a pioneer. He was somebody that was willing to say, you know what? I want to take things outside of the status quo, and I want to I do great things for God. Listen to what he did. He was responsible for getting over 100,000 people saved, starting 625 churches, and 1,250 preachers in a five-year period of ministry. And that was before Facebook, and that was before YouTube, that was before people went viral and got to preach all over the world. Because of the revelation he had of God inside of him, he went to Africa in the height of one of the deadliest plagues that has ever been known, okay? The Black Death, I think, is what they called it. Ebola virus was killing people left and right. They were dropping like flies. And he went to Africa in the height of, the, of that plague, and he said, look, these people were dying. They, there were bodies all over the place. And he said, these people deserve to be buried. That's dignified for them to be buried. And so he began getting the bodies and putting them and giving them a burial that they were worthy to be buried of. And these people came along and they said, sir, sir, don't you understand the coronavirus? <laughs> Anyways, I was trying to tie it in, okay? But don't you understand? It's Ebola. If you get it, it's going to kill you. And this is what he said. He says, no, no, no. You don't understand. He said, I have the Spirit of God living on the inside of me. He said, if that disease comes in contact with my skin, it will die. That's the revelation of God that he had. And so he says, as a matter of fact, if you want to test it, I'm willing to test it. So they went back and they got somebody that had died and they got some of the disease out of his body. And they, they said, all right, let's put it under the microscope and make sure it's, it's active. So the cells were active. And they said, all right, let's put it on his hand. They put it on his hand. He said, now put it back under your microscope and tell me what happened. And the, and the scientist said, every cell has died because of the revelation that he had. As a matter of fact, after that, he went to a place called Spokane, Washington. It's on the other side of the earth, right? The nation anyways. Spokane, Washington. He started a healing room where when people got a bad report from the doctor that they weren't going to live, they would set up time to go to these rooms and these people would just begin to intercede over them and pray for them and believe God to heal them. Over 100,000 healings took place in those healing rooms. So much that the U.S. government declared Spokane, Washington, the nation's healthiest city. Talk about being a trailblazer. That's somebody that says, you know what? I know God and I want to do something about it. And it wasn't always easy for him. Because what happened was, growing up, he was known to have uh, siblings that were sick. I think even a couple of his siblings had died. His wife got tuberculosis and got a bad report from the doctor. 
they said, we can't do anything for her. She's going to die. I love what it says. It says he, he was frustrated with God. And that's why I say it doesn't matter even if you're frustrated with God. Call out to him. But he said he was frustrated with God. So he literally threw his Bible across the room or on the table or something. And when he did, it opened up to the book of Acts, chapter 10. chapter 10 and it says this this is what he read it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him and as he read that he says you know what if that's what God was doing through Jesus then that's what God can do through me and so he laid his hands on his wife, and she got healed, and I think that's what started his whole ministry. Isn't that powerful? All it takes is one person saying, you know what? I just want to know him more. I just want to know him more. Will you stand with me tonight? Jesus. Jesus. I told you a second ago that if you're in this place and you've never been born again, God wants to redeem you. He wants to rescue you from the sin that you were born into. I wonder if anybody's saying, you know what? I need to be born again. I need to be born again. I've never, I've never acknowledged the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. And I've never said, you know what? I, I'm a sinner. And I know that, that sin is never going to produce anything good in my life. But I want to be free from sin. I want, I want to acknowledge that Jesus Christ paid a price so that I could be free from sin. I believe even right now, if you're not born again, I believe Jesus is working on your heart right now. That's how it happened for me almost 16, 17 years ago. I understood, I acknowledged there was a place where Jesus was nudging at me and he was saying, I have more for you than this. I have more for you than this. And I had to do what I'm about to ask you to do. I had to come to a place where I was willing to acknowledge that he wanted me to be born again. And I was willing to say, you know what? I want that. I want to, I want to turn from my sin. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to now live for God, and I want to begin to follow his plan. Does it mean tomorrow that you're going to wake up and everything's going to be perfect? Not at all, but you're going to have a really good head start on getting things that way. You're going to have a spirit that was originally designed to live inside of you, back inside of you. And it's going to begin to lead you and guide you and help you and comfort you and teach you. 
And so is there anybody here tonight that says, you know what? I'm not born again, but I want to be. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? I've never been born again. I don't, I don't have a date. I don't have a time. I don't have a night. I, I don't have a youth camp to reflect back on. He's about to have one. He's about to say, you know what? March 5th, 2021 was the night that I gave myself to Jesus. And everything changed from that point forward. give you guys another second. I believe God's working. I believe God's working right now. If your heart feels like it's about to beat out of your chest, guess what? God's working. God's working. Just respond to him. Don't respond to me. Just say, God, I want you. I want you in my life. Is there anybody else, real quick, with a show of hands, just says, I want God in my life tonight. Tell you what, in a minute we're going to have people come back up to the front. If for some reason you didn't raise your hand and you say, you know what, I wish I would have, please come find me. I'm going to be praying with people. Please come find me. Come grab my hand and say, I, I want to I get right with God. I'm, I'm all about that, man. I'd love actually to explain to you what it is and help you understand what being born again is all about. So please don't hesitate to do that. Okay, so now, is there anybody here? How many of you are baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? All right, I'm going to have you guys come up and pray in tongues in just a second to prove it. No, just play it. That would be awesome, right? All right, prove it. How many are not baptized in the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues, evidence of speaking in tongues? Yeah? Cool. So if you guys want to be filled, I want to pray that you get filled tonight. Remember I said there's three voids, right? First one's getting saved. Second one's being baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can get saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time, too. It's really cool. And then, and then how many want to say, you know what? I just want God to confirm and solidify the calling that he has on my life. Let me say that. I just want, to, I just want God to confirm it for me. Just let me know what he has for me. Make it crystal clear so that I can become the trailblazer that God wants me to be. Amen? So why don't we close up here at the front? They're going to enter into some worship. I'd love to pray with you. Listen, do me a favor. If you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, maybe come over to this side right here, and maybe some of the leaders can pray with people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I, I want to pray with you. All right, brother? Cool. All right, so let's worship God. Let's close this thing out right and uh, just get back into his glory. Amen? Amen.
<laughs> Good stuff, hey? Good stuff, right? Let's just give a quick clap to finish out here. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. <laughs> so we're going to bring tonight to a close here and allow people to transition and get rest tonight so that we can be fresh for tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a nice full day of encounter and presence and fun, uh, a good mix of it all. I'm excited. Um, but this is a good initiation kickoff, eh? Yeah, beautiful. So I'm going to let Casey give closing announcements on instructions on where people are going and what's what. And uh, again, thank you, Billy. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, all of you guys, for helping create a greenhouse <laughs> in this place. Um, it's good. You know what good means? You know what good means? It means so good. It's good. So good. It's good. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. All right. <laughs> Casey, what are we doing? All right. So the boys, the boys that came with Brendan, you guys are going to go with him to the greener, 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 greener's house. Um, and then the EY boys and then Craig and the boy that came with him. You guys are going to go with Dave Elaine to the Greener's house. So you guys can load onto the bus. And then the boys that were with Brendan, you guys can load into his car and head over there for the night. All right. So when you guys get there, um, be super quiet, right? Because it's almost 11. It's going to be close to 11 o'clock when you get there. You're going to go in the garage. The garage will be opened. There'll be a, someone pay attention. I don't care who. One of the guys. Brennan, Brennan's paying attention back to you. I told him this partially. You take it. You go into the door to the right, and you scoop right around the door. Behind that door is a door going downstairs. Like as soon as you walk in, you turn left and go down. And you guys have that full space to yourself. There are two beds. Christy said any of the leaders can sleep there. She wanted to honor any of the guy leaders. So there's a king size bed and I think a queen size bed pretty legit mattresses too so <laughs> um, and then other other than that there's a huge wide open space you can just put your air mattresses out and there's a bathroom down there for you but just remember their families above you so don't be like super crazy loud all night okay thanks and then girls we're just gonna go over to Wesley and Tommy's house and then we will be back here by 8 a.m. tomorrow for breakfast to continue on with winter base camp 2021 <laughs> Praise God. All right. Love you guys. Billy, thank you for bringing the word, for ministering, sharing your heart and your story. And um, all right, gather your things. Pack up, load up. See you guys in the a.m. Sleep well. Listen, do not stay up ridiculous late. It will not help you for tomorrow. Please, sleep is a beautiful thing. So make sure you get some. <laughs> Love you guys. Good night.